This podcast features the preaching ministry of the late Bob Baxter, lovingly known as Brother Bob to his congregants. He served as the senior pastor of Mount Harmony Baptist Church for 49 years. There, he taught the Word of God with humor, wit, and fervor throughout his ministry. And this podcast is dedicated to sharing that ministry with others. May God bless the preaching of His Word, now and always. You know, though, in all my days of preaching, I've never preached a sermon. Somebody said, you won't preach another one? <laughs> but I did go out to a country church, preach a revival, and I preached two sermons a night. I got out there on Monday night, and uh, it started at 8 o'clock. And they had one song and a prayer and another song. And the pastor said, well, we're turning it over to the guest preacher. At about 10 after 8, Andrew. They was expecting to stay till at least 9. Well, I don't ever preach sermons over in this church, but if I go to another church, I might pull out an old one like Bill used to do and uh, preach it over, and that's what I had. And uh, so I thought, well, what am I going to do? So I preached the first sermon, and then I remembered another sermon. I just tied them together. You know, when you see these tandem trucks, don't you? You can do sermons the same way. And so every night after that, I just prepared two sermons to go out there. And if they ever knew the difference, they didn't tell me. Have you ever seen anybody that said, if you walk with the Lord, it'll just be jumping from one mountaintop to the other? Have you ever seen anybody like that? And they want to give a testimony and how everything's glorious and marvelous and wonderful all the time. If you see anybody like that, they're full of yogurt. Because that's not the way life is. Life is pretty hard. Have you all noticed that? And pretty difficult. And so that's why in the fourth chapter of 2 Corinthians, first of all, I want to read the first verse and then verses 16, 17, and 18. And we're going to look at the whole chapter, really. But uh, Paul said in the first verse, Therefore, since we have this ministry... As we have received mercy, we do not lose heart. Then in 16, 17, and 18, Therefore we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, while the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. You know the, big, the devil, one of the biggest tools he has to work on Christians is discouragement. Have you all ever been discouraged? Don't raise your hand, <clears throat> but everybody gets discouraged. You make all these big plans and they don't work out that way. And you make a big speech about how the Lord's leading you and then all of a sudden it didn't work out. Oh, like you thought it was going to. You've been there and done that. A few of us are getting on. It's like burying myself. I mean, you know. So he said, don't lose heart. 
One fellow said that not every prayer he'd ever prayed had been answered. But enough prayers had been answered that he was going to always keep praying. Always keep praying. So how do we keep from losing heart? And that's what Paul's telling them in this uh, fourth chapter of 2 Corinthians. The first thing, if we don't lose heart, we've got to remember we are here for a purpose. Rick uh, Warren. Andrew, do you know if your mother and daddy went to Rick Warren's church today or not? They did? He wasn't there. He wasn't there. <laughs> did he ask your daddy to preach? No, he didn't. Okay. Anyway, they're in California for a mission meeting. But he talked about the purpose-driven life. I really do believe deep down on the inside of me that every one of us are here for a purpose. Do you believe that? We are here for a purpose. God created us for a purpose. It may be to encourage, to help somebody, but he created us for a purpose. And you see, if we don't fulfill our purpose, nobody else can. Nobody, nobody, nobody can do your job for you. Only you can do what the Lord has called you to do. And <clears throat> so that's why it's not a good plan when we say in the church, let somebody else do it. If it's what the Lord wants us to do, isn't that what we ought to be doing? What we ought to be doing. I read the other day of a couple... He had a Down syndrome child. And you know what they said? They said it was a purpose of God that this baby be ours. And talked about how this baby had blessed their lives and blessed their hearts. Like this uh, boy that was born blind. And all of a sudden he found... He was gifted for playing the piano. And you know what he said? It was so moving to glory in myself as we heard him say this. He said, I'm so glad I was born blind. I've never seen black and white. I've just felt love. He was blessed, wasn't he, Valerie? He didn't see black and white. He just felt love. When I heard that, I thought, well, that boy's here to teach us some stuff, right? <laughs> Everybody has a purpose. I don't think God ever makes mistakes. Do you think God makes mistakes? We do. He does. So he said, don't lose heart. Remember, you are here for a purpose. Now, the purpose you're here for, you may not have gotten to it yet. You remember old uh, Abraham was 75, Moses was 80. Uh, a lot of people miss what they're here for because they sit down and quit before they get there, right? Jesus was just lived 30 years and achieved what he was here for. Then, 
Not only are we here for a purpose, but Paul said, be careful, this world tries to blind you to what God wants you to do. And it's a purpose. The world just wants to blind you. Where you can't see what the Lord wants you to do. How does the world blind you? With material things. With the love of money. The love of entertainment. The love of prestige. The love of power. This world blinds the people of God many times. So that they cannot see what God wants them to do. That thing sure got a strange ring, doesn't it? You know, it reminded me, I'm not sure I turned mine off. No, I didn't. Better do that right during my sermon, isn't that right? <laughs> Don't feel bad about it. It happens to all of us. Hey, you remember that sermon Junior Hill was preaching and his cell phone went off in his pocket? And we were all kind of feeling sorry for him. And come to find out that he <coughs> was something he had read. Didn't he make like the Lord was on the other end of the line? <laughs> so the world tries to blind us then the world does another thing not only does it try to blind us Paul said but the world gives us false lights you know it's our tendency to follow the light in a dark world and the world gives us false lights and we tend to follow those lights and that is one of the reasons so many people get so discouraged and despondent because they follow the world's lights. They follow what seems logical and reasonable and all this, that, and the other. But sometimes what the Lord wants may be something different than that. So what, whose light have you been following lately? Yours, one you turned on, or one the Lord turned on, and you're following what he's turned on. Because we turn them on, if he don't come along, turn them on. Now, Paul went on to say to them, remember, you are not infallible. The Bible is, but we are not. I don't know about you all, but there isn't anybody in the world as hard for a preacher to deal with as somebody that's infallible. They're never wrong. Uh, any of you wives have to deal with an infallible husband? He's always right. Any of you men have to deal with an infallible wife? She's always right. Anybody want to give a testimony? <laughs> I'm just telling you, it will help all of us so much if we will remember we are all fallible. None of us are right 100% of the time. 
They say the executives that run the Fortune 500 companies that they say if they're right 70% of the time they're doing well. Most of us are not quite on that level, so 50-50. Maybe, come on, 50-50, maybe, come on. And all the hurt and harm that goes on because people thinking with finite minds think they're infallible. Now, what makes it so bad? They hook God in with it. You know, well, I, I prayed. Yeah, I know you prayed, but did you listen for his answer? Or did you inform God? You know, some of our prayers aren't really prayers of thy will be done. Some of our prayers are telling God what he ought to do, and he'd better do it, or we're going to get his goat. So we're trying to be God. Real prayer is coming humbly. As Jesus taught us to pray always, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. One of the things that uh, this chapter went on to talk about is pressure. Everybody's under pressure. The difference in us and the ancient people, we just talk about it a whole lot more. But let me tell you about some pressure. If I ask you to raise your hand, everybody felt under pressure, nearly everybody's hand go up, right? We don't know what pressure is. Pressure is having a crying child and nothing to feed it. Pressure is having a sick child and no medicine can be purchased. Pressure is having a dying loved one. And nothing, no sources are available. Pressure is a mother trying to keep a baby warm, homeless tonight, out on the streets of this city. That's pressure. So they'll survive the 17 degrees that's coming in the morning. Pressure. I don't know how many of you saw 2020, uh, Friday night, but a little boy that had never been to school, they carried him to school and he could count to three. But the principal said, how many meals do you have a day? He didn't know, didn't know anything about three meals a day. And outside in no building, he said, there's an old chair. And he said, this is where we sleep. And I want to tell you, mother, something. That mother loved that child just as much as you love yours. Everybody's got pressure. And you see, instead of complaining and carrying on and whining about having pressure, why don't we let the Lord move in on the inside of us and make the pressure on the inside greater than the pressure on the outside? Don, you would know a whole lot more about this than I do. But when an airplane's way up in the air, isn't there a lot of pressure on that thing? But they have to keep pressure on the inside. To keep it from imploding on itself. So instead of that, instead of filling ourselves with the love of God, we talk about the pressure. We all under pressure because of the atmosphere that's around us. 
So that's why the Bible said, greater is he that is in us than what? He that is in the world. Greater is he that is in us than the pressure that comes from the world. Isn't that wonderful? So you don't deal with pressure by whining. You just deal with pressure by getting filled up from the inside. When you fall, when you get knocked down, you get up. You're only out in the game of life when you don't get back up. And so many people in the Christian walk, they get knocked down. Everybody's going to get knocked down. And they don't get back up. They don't get back up. How many of you know how to ride a bicycle? I do. It's been a long time. I believe I still could. <laughs> Why are you laughing about it? Anyway, did any of you who know how to ride a bicycle learn how without falling? All of us fell in the process, right? One of my biggest falls, I thought I could ride through a sandbar. I wound up walking and carrying it. But anyway. Willard, my cousin, thought he could ride it with his eyes closed. The houses are between us and there's a road turn and there's a deep ditch there. And he was wondering what it would be like to be a blind man, so he closed his eyes and went riding up the road, ran off in the ditch. And he was an only child, not only, not all only children are spoiled, but he was. Anyway, uh, his daddy and I were watching it when he ran in the ditch. And the bicycle hung on his big toe. Now, I was... Well, he had the biggest yarn as to why he ran in the ditch. But later on, I said, well, why did you run in that ditch? He said, well, I was trying to act like a blind man. But you know what? He didn't quit riding a bicycle. He just started keeping his eyes open. And you see, friends, in the Christian walk, everybody falls once in a while. Doesn't have to be a bad fall. And that's what forgiveness and getting up is all about. Forgiveness and getting up is all about. A man said to me one day, he said, Bob, I'm coming to church Sunday, but you don't want me there. If you knew what I'd done, you wouldn't let me in the door. I said, come, come, come. The church is a place, a hospital for sick Christians sometimes who need the bomb of Gilead. Isn't that right? So you see, you have to watch about that. Then down toward the end of this chapter, We'll skip on down there, and if you're following along in the outline, you can just move on. Down toward the end of it, he talks about intern, the intern. We're concentrating too much on the external when we ought to be concentrating 
on the internal. What's in your heart? What's in your mind? What do you love? Who do you love? What's on the inside of you? And when we get the inside right, the inside controls the outside. Now, I don't know how it works. Uh, I've had a little biology, but I still don't know how it works. But my hand moving starts up here. Isn't that right? It doesn't start here. It starts up here and it runs down and said, move hand. Move hand. Well, you see, this hand, you know, both of these hands, look at your hands. Look at them, look at them. Tell you the truth, they're kind of stupid. <laughs> they don't know what to do until somebody tells them. So from up here, I say close. Did I ever tell you all about telling the dentist's wife that I wanted to be a dentist for one day? And she said, why do you want to be a dentist for one day? And I said, I could say to ladies, close please. <laughs> now, you see, where these hands get whatever smarts they got comes from up here. Whatever smarts we've got comes from up there. And if we stay hooked up right and just say, you know, like the hands, the mind has to tell them what to do, what to do, what to do. Tells your feet where to go. I'm not sure it always tells our tongues what to say or we just turn it loose and let it go. But anyway, you see, that's on the inside. So what is on the outside of me and what I do on the outside? John, I, I picked on you twice today. I just love you and I'll pick on you a little. I bet you can take a handsaw and saw a really straight I can't do that. It leans a little one way or the other. But that straight cut you make with that handsaw, does it start with the hand or does it start with the mind? Starts with the mind. And you have to tell that hand, see that line? And you, and you see what your mind does? It said, see that line? And you saw that line right there. And the strangest thing, John, you've never said to your hand, hand, where you want to saw today? And it's only a successful hand when it saws where you tell it to saw, right? Now, doesn't that sound simple? But isn't that the way it is? And that's why, how we keep from losing heart is when we do what the Father tells us to do. The reason Jesus died on the cross was because the Father told him to. He did it in obedience to the Father. So he said it begins internally and works out externally. And then sometimes things that look problems 
can turn into blessings because the Lord has that unique way of doing that. He wound up this chapter by saying that what we see is temporary. You just look around. Isn't this a beautiful, beautiful building we're in tonight? It's just temporary. I mean, when the Lord destroys this earth, this thing's going too, right? I mean, it's just temporary. There's some homes in England where it's the same family, I mean, you know, different generations of the same family have been living in that house for 400 years. That house is just temporary. It's just temporary. So he said, what is not seen is eternal. We never see our souls, but that's what's eternal. And what we see is temporary. So he said, don't lose heart by getting so hooked up on what you see that if you forget what you don't see is what's going to be. What you don't see. what you don't see. So, all of this is temporary. Now, <clears throat> I know you don't want to think about it, but when you get home and look at that house, it costs you a bunch to pay for it, to keep it up or whatever, you say, hey, this thing not going to last forever. It's temporary. But then you think about that soul that the Father has planted in you. Say, when we've been there 10,000 years, we'll have no less days to sing God's praise than when we first begun. And with that in mind, what's important? What's temporary or what's permanent? And sometimes we spend about 95% on what's temporary, 5% on What's important is permanent. And he said, if you don't want to lose heart, reverse that. And uh, then, you know, it'll pass. Somebody was joshing me about what I said the other Wednesday night, and I'll just share it with you all tonight, and then this winds up the sermon. But Eddie does a marvelous job selecting music. He just really, he's gifted. But... Once in a great while, he comes up with one that just don't get my clapper and bell together. <laughs> and you know what I do? I just say, this is temporary. This is not the whole morning worship. This is temporary in about, I noticed most of them are over in about four or five minutes. Shoot, I didn't or nearly anything four or five minutes, can't you? It's not that bad. But you see what happens. Some people let it ruin their whole worship experience, right? Let it ruin their whole... Uh, see. Bobby Thomas, I'm going to pick on your tag. What do you do when Betty cooks something you don't like? Do you just not eat? Get up and walk out? Or you just don't eat that and eat everything else you cook? He's taking the fifth. I can't do anything with him. (laughs) 
Anyway, if she had them, you know what he would do? He would just not eat that particular dish and eat everything else and enjoy it, right? And uh, he don't want that meal to last all night. Some things are temporary. Some things are permanent. Love is permanent. And all you men and women need to remember, when you're dealing with husbands and wives, that love is to be eternal and last forever. All these other things are temporary. It sort of goes away. If you're here tonight and you're not a Christian, you come to the Christ. If you're not a member of this church, we'd love to have you. You come, trust, uh, uniting with our church by the transfer of your membership. But if you haven't prayed and asked Jesus to come into your heart, please come and let us help you. Will you come? Thank you for listening to this podcast featuring the preaching ministry of Bob Baxter. 